It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother. welcome everyone to the brand new edition of reliving the war it is the podcast where we go back and look at the monday night wars although at this point in time it is becoming a bit of a slaughter uh in the way of the world wrestling federation but nonetheless 1999 wcw still has its bright spots and uh, we're currently in the month of may it is wcw slamboree 1999 and uh Simon, I'll quickly jump in with you because 99, I don't know about you, but 1999 for me is a very fond uh, era of WCW for me because at this point in time, I still didn't have uh, pay TV. So the only wrestling I got to watch that wasn't at the video store on a weekly basis was WCW International Nitro Wrestling on Channel 9 after Nightline. So I was very, very much up with the product. What about yourself? Okay, so for me, going back to 1999, I did have pay TV, but that doesn't mean I could watch the WWE every week. So for people who are too young to remember, before you only had Foxtel in Australia, you had Optus Vision and OzStar. If you had Foxtel, <laughs> you could watch WWE on Fox Sports. If you had two week, Optus... On two-week delay. On two yeah, week delay. It's, it's still, eventually it was live. But if you had Optus, you could only watch WCW. So I still watch Nitro because I loved any wrestling. So in 99, I was watching WCW every week on TV, but on pay-per-view, I was only renting the WWE videotapes because that's where the quality was. So I remember all of this happening to a point, but I was slowly getting off the WCW bandwagon here. To me, when the NWO reformed with the Wolfpack, I kind of checked out. Even as a 12-year-old, who loved nothing more than wrestling. Even for me, I was like, this is kind of dumb now. <laughs> so, Well, I can tell you right now, as a 15-year-old back in 1999, midlife crisis macho man was the coolest <laughs> person on the planet. This is the point where we welcome in our colleague, the man that doesn't relive the war. He lives the war for the first time. Uh, the one and only digital beard, a.k.a. Owen Jones. And Owen, take us back to 1999, brother. Hey, friends. Um, thank you for having me as always. Um, so the Slamboree pay-per-view for WCW was on May the 9th, 1999. So we're four months away from my fourth birthday. Um, I was probably watching Power Rangers in space at some stage during this day. Cause it's, I mean, it's still what I do as a 28 year old, but it's definitely what I was doing as a three and a half year old. Um, yeah, that's what I was probably doing around that time. They're saying it was 20,000 people in that arena. I highly doubt it. There was a lot of empties. There was a lot of people dressed as seats on that one. I thought it was yeah, a great I... arena. Can we talk about that, though? This place yeah. in St. Louis, it's actually a dome, but a small one. 
uh i think i think it's called the twa dome or something i don't know the twa dome i like the look of this show because of it it felt big i also uh one of my first notes about this before we get to it was um like it's almost like so the basically the wwe's pay-per-views now are just a giant logo on an led screen right this preceded it this was just the giant logo hanging at the entranceway yeah. WCW pioneered the simple set of just ah, just slap the logo on the back and people can walk out of it. And even had like the fee, the, the fee cost for that special caller rate as well for the uh, for yeah, the, the sponsorship. That was a sponsorship, the one eight hundred number. Can I yeah. just say, I'm just yeah. looking at stats of this building. So Slamboree, yeah, they claim drew twenty thousand five hundred and sixteen fans. The twenty twenty two Royal Rumble happened at this arena. Uh, and the WWE oh. somehow got 44,000 fans in the same building. Not go. bad. Not bad. Oh, so, yeah. People on laps. Uh, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know which one was really sold out. But anyway, a bit of a... Well, you 2 and Third Eye Blind got 50,000 people there. Damn. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a war of the 90s that no one really talks about too much. But let's get straight <laughs> into the pay-per-view because... It, I reckon this is one of the better WCW intro videos. We all say we always like to crap on um, WCW's production values, but I think this time they nailed it and got it a little bit right because you set up all the main matches: Goldberg versus Sting, Buff versus Steiner, and it actually shows off what the matches are and kind of a hint of what the feuds were. Um, the stop downs at the start just absolutely kill all momentum, though. Yeah, and to be fair, though, this one only came in at around four minutes before the bell rang for the first match, so it was shorter than usual. But you're right, the promo video actually had commentary sound bites and promo sound bites and ran through more than one match. You kind of got a sense of why some of this is happening. We'll talk about the videos during the show, but at least this one at the top was good. Uh, we also had Mean Gene back chilling the He's hotline back. in his white was- suit. It's hard he was to dressed like when... Sean Connery in Goldfinger. <laughs> he was. 007 <laughs> Mean Gene. It's weird to know <laughs> when he's wearing the white suit and for what reason. Because I thought the white suit was for like WrestleMania or Starcade. Why did he wear the white suit for Slamboree? Well, clearly he was going to a Goldfinger party <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, also, a $1.69 a minute for... For, the, for a call to the WCW hotline, that must have been raking in the cash. Absolutely. And you know Mean Gene was talking very slowly <laughs> on when you call him. The, in the hardcore match versus <laughs> Bam, Bam, Bigelow. <laughs> but let's get to our first match because it is a three-way between Malenko and Benoit with Arn Anderson. Uh, it's also great to see Arn Anderson back on AEW, just as a side note, uh, versus Raven and Satin and Kidman and Rey Mysterio, who are the tag team champions. And i got to say, this was an absolute belter to start it off. Owen, what do you think of this match? Because this is one that kind of set the formula for what we see in like modern day pay-per-view openers. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just doing some really quick maths. Um, so a dollar sixty nine US in nineteen ninety nine in today's money is three dollars and eight cents US. So it's four dollars and seventy two cents Australian per minute. 
today. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not paying that just to have me and Gene vaguely suggest that perhaps The Rock is coming to WCW. <laughs> Who knows? Sorry. But um, so I so my first question was when did Kidman and Ray become friends? I'm assuming on some Nitro that we haven't watched. Yeah. Well, no, they were they were tag last pay for you. They were tag team champions. I don't remember that. Mm, because and they wrestled each other. Was... It made no sense. Oh, that is true. And also that that show was that bad, I kind of scrapped them from my memory. Um no, I really, really I really liked it was very fast. This match went for way too long though. It was like 18 minutes as an opener. And it dragged as an 18 minute match too. It wasn't that like, exciting. The stipulation was so stupid too. Like it was so convoluted and confusing. See, I'll say there were some good things about the stipulation. I actually liked that you could only tag your own tag partner. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of gets rid of the oh, they've tagged in to, you know, like different guys. Um, yeah. and I, I did like that it was first fall to a finish, or at least they explained that it was. Because sometimes mm. these triangle matches or four-way could be elimination, especially in yeah. this era. Um, you're right, I, though. It went way too long. It was a good match. The action was fantastic. Everyone in here was killing it. But it did jump the shark with about five minutes to go, I thought. Mm. See, I, I absolutely love this match. Like, I thought, like, the this is kind of... They sort of rebuilt Saturn a little bit because he was sort of getting his heat back and the crowd absolutely loved him. Uh, the horsemen are definite heels here. Huge horseman sucks chance happening throughout the uh, throughout the match. The Benoit snot blast is an underrated classic from this era. Absolutely love how he just used to unload. Um, Perry Satin was absolutely the star of 1999. Like he's the he's the sleeper of all of these pay-per-views. Like aside from his match with Jericho, he's always bringing it 110. percent Probably because he's thinking, "Hey, this is my key to the main event here." But um. Uh, there are also some pretty insane moves to the outside. Um, unfortunately, it's opposite the hard cam. So all of that action is just completely lost. Um, you also see one of my favorite tropes of the 90, uh, of 99, 2000 WCW, which is you can't powerbomb Kidman. Mm. Like you just can't. He always reverses it every single time. Uh, what else is there? Um, the the finish I thought was pretty uh, pretty awesome too uh, with the way that Raven pins Kidman as Satin holds off submitting yeah. in the cloverleaf like that was a very creative way and it kept everyone sort of strong. Well, that shout out to favorite. Raven. Raven hit it was a hanging DDT kind of like we'd see you know Randy Orton turn into a signature move that was kind of cool. Yeah, Raven that, that... even hit a three amigos. So Raven. Yeah. Was here to to work in this match. He was killing it. Raven had his working Doc Martens on this <laughs> th- tonight. It was very impressive. Um, yeah, that that even flow was uh was very cranial. It was very <laughs> it was very yeah. high up on the head. But um, also, no, I, that, also, that's one of my favorite um tag moves when yeah someone's got the pin and their and like their tag partner's holding off in like a in like the proper submission, not just like holding them down. I yeah. thought that was really, really cool. And, it, and, you know, it gets both of their move, moves over as well. And the fact that the crowd have turned straight, like, straight away with Perry Satin and, like, they're both faces now. But now they're heels again because they won with Canyon's interference. This was my yeah, problem so, with the show. We'll get into it. Yeah. Some of these turns and stuff, very you can't even keep track of it. 
Um, next up, there. This is one of the first of many video packages that are just randomly thrown in here, and they used to do that even on an episode of Nitro too. Remember some where you just have like a random insert of Conan's Psycho video clip, just twenty seconds of DDP here. Although one thing to make note, did you hear they said he's a two-time world champion? It's because he lost and won the title in the same night on an episode of Nitro. This is where WCW is in full panic mode, where it's nothing but turns and title changes. Now, Simon, and Nims might know this too, but definitely Simon, did you, that, so we're we're talking about this little, that like, that, I I I was calling them ad breaks in my notes, because it felt like you were watching Friends and then like an ad for like a telecom company came on. Yeah. Um, But it was just for wrestlers. Um. Did you notice the complete and utter ripoff that that DDP song was? No. What was it? I know it was some generic stock music. It's a monster by extreme. Note for note. Ripoff. Yeah. Like everything about it is the exact same song. Wow. And I laughed. Wow. We played that on uh, TNT on PBS two weeks ago. What a great song. The greats, everyone lo- hey, everyone loves Nuno. <laughs> That's it. That the, was uh, still relevant in 99. <laughs> the ripoff DB, uh, DDP version or the actual song that you play? <laughs> you can play both and no one would know the difference. Mm, that's one of those Jimmy Hart, <laughs> a little bit too close for the lawyers knockoff. <laughs> uh, we'll quickly sneak in the next match because it's the NWOB team that is out. And it's such a shame that the classic NWO theme music now signifies jobbers in 1999 <laughs> how the mighty have fallen um also want to point out too that conan uh, came out dressed like he was a security guard at good vibes in 2002 <laughs> uh his promo still absolute fire though and the toss my salad and peel my potatoes thing i still don't understand but i was still cheer for it oh he but, added uh, but did you notice in this one i remember this promo because he added the extra detail where he said Italian ranch, you pick the dressing. You know, like he went with the salad tossing. He even said, pick a dressing because you're oh, going to toss my salad and he's going to peel my potatoes. Google what those things mean if you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I just say, I really want one of those K-Dog starter jerseys because that was starter branded too. It was. And it was K-Dog. And instead of being the 05 for FUBU, it was 06 for K-Dog. Yeah, yeah, it was sorry. great. Also, did you like you know like when you know that was they were going um K Dog and the crowd were barking and all you hear Heenan Heenan just goes literally just goes woof woof. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Another- Conan versus Stevie Ray though. I did want to say so oh. Conan and Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray has Vincent with him as usual, and also Horace Hogan. Horace, of course, the nephew of Hulk Hogan, which means an extreme tan runs in the family. Horace (laughs) Hogan was as dark as all of the guys who I just named. So picture those guys. (laughs) Horace Hogan is a white guy. He's the only white guy in the match, and he was as tanned as most of them. Yes. So two two things I'm going to quickly point out. One, Stevie Ray in black and white pinstripes. I know that NWO B team is black and white. Just did not need to have that. And secondly... Conan barely made a leapfrog over, <laughs> over Stevie Ray 
But um, it, there is like a hair between them uh, making that leapfrog. Anyway, long story short, Ray Jr. comes out to interfere and take out the B team, then helps uh, Conan take out Stevie Ray with a roll-up. That's look, that's all she wrote. And what <laughs> and more they, can you say about this? They ruined the end spot. They redid it twice. Was that on the and outside it, where they didn't, the like they, they sort of hesitated and redid it? Yeah. They they hesitated, did it, then just redid it. It was great. Yeah. Also, really quickly, this I, I in my notes, I'm proud of this one. This match was just scoop slam the musical. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. It's uh, like yeah. every second move was a scoop slam. I'm like, it's it's almost like they just came out of training school and they were like, okay, you guys have mastered the scoop slam. Let's stick to that, guys, and keep it safe. I don't we're understand. Not the, we're not on the pre-show. No, you guys are second. You guys are second <laughs> in after a twenty-minute tag match. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't get it. Conan had a, that really good match with Disco Stevie Ray. I don't know this combination of Conan, Stevie Ray, and Vincent that they somehow keep going to. They've just got to stop. It's not happening. So after that absolute smorgasbord of awesomeness between the B team and Conan, we then get a Kevin Nash Titantron. I've just literally <laughs> written in my notes, Kevin Nash Titantron? Question mark. It, it was the same video character. as the one for DDP. It had all text over it. What is? What are these? It almost feels like someone didn't finish the feud hype video and they were like, oh, we'll just put it up in parts throughout the show. It's terrible. There's no voiceover. There's yeah. nothing. It's like someone's in the production truck going, has that exported yet? It's like, um, yeah. <laughs> 20 seconds of it has, if you want to play it. <laughs> if you want to just play that, it's like, yeah, look, look, uh, <laughs> Stevie Ray and the B team are already in Gorilla. You better just put it in now. <laughs> um, so then we then get to a, uh, a WCW.com little sit down bit. It is Rick Steiner getting interviewed at the desk. Um, i got to say, like, these... Do these segments do absolutely nothing? Chris Jericho and Conan are the only two guys that have made it actually like sort of understood what these are. Because remember, this is a long time before podcasts. Bite this still hadn't really started, so it's still kind of fresh and new. But no one knows what the hell they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And then uh, getting back to the production, not knowing what they're doing, they just cut Rick Steiner off mid sentence with another one of these videos. This time for Sting. Literally, yeah. they're like, ah, we've had enough of Rick Steiner. He's Sting for 20 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then that leads to a little cutscene with DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow. And now, if you go back and play uh, a WWF SmackDown on PS1 or SmackDown 2, Know Your Role, and you just have those random cutscenes in between matches where it's like them just walk walking through a corridor and you're wondering, like, why did you do that? Clearly, they watched WCW. Mm -hmm. Smackdown season mode. I loved it. <laughs> up Next up, it is Brian Nobbs versus Bam Bam Bigelow. And yeah, come on. Brian, my first note is, why is Brian Nobbs wrestling in 1999? And all I can say is, if you were having a drinking game every time he said nasty... <laughs> Oh my god! You'd be drunk before he gets to the ring because he has. You'd be no drunk before music. he gets off the stage, yeah. even to the runway. I literally said, "I, I think he's nasty." Yeah, I have an inkling. You're gonna get nasty. I'm a nasty guy. Let's do nasty. <laughs> and he said it so many times. I, yeah. I will he say, like a... you, you said, yeah. "Why is he on this show?" 
I actually thought this was one of the more fun matches of the show. It was kind of a guilty pleasure by the end of it. It was so dumb. I, I've written down here, um, Bam, Bang's out, Bam Bam Bigelow's out with a shopping cart uh, full of plunder, as uh, Dusty Rhodes would say. But it is just headshots a go-go by Nobbs mm. to Bam Bam. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I just say, you said, why is Brian Nobbs on this pay-per-view in 99 or whatever? The man is only 35 years old. So, uh, no, you know, he's not. <laughs> which is just insane. Looks older than my 63 year old dad. I was about to say, uh, you like AJ Styles at like 48. How old is AJ Styles right now? He's, oh, he's, he's got like 45 or something. Well, Seamus is 45. There you 45. go. Killing he, it. Hey. So I can tell you they must have they must have partied really hard in the eighties. And if that's the case, he had a really nasty but, um, life. But Brian, oh, sorry, Nobs, can I? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Can I just drop one fact that I can't believe we've never known before? Because all of these guys have been on the show. Did anybody know that since nineteen ninety four, Brian Nobbs has been married to the sister of Greg Valentine, and they have a kid together? There is a child out there oh. who is. A second generation. A nasty wrestler, hammer. Who is a, yeah, who is a nasty hammer related to the Valentine. So actually, no, he's technically a third generation wrestler because Greg Valentine's dad was a wrestler too. Oh my God, that is yes. insane. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> that is crazy. When are they going to appear in, uh, in NXT or an episode of AEW Dark? I think we'd be able to um, pick next them up, out we if have... they're the child of Brian Nobbs. <laughs> And a relative of Greg Valentine. Yeah, it'd be beautiful long hair and a really crappy um, flat top. Yeah. Flat top with a tiny squashed up face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but back to the match, there's nothing really memorable at this, but I did pop at the prop merch stand because it literally looked like so a good. set piece out of No Mercy. Good, good. I'm glad you pointed it out that it was a prop merch stand because why was the merch stand in the area where only the wrestling could happen. <laughs> How exactly do you even line up for that merch stand when it's on the side of the stage? They fling it over the barricade. They're like, hey, what do yeah. you want? And they just, yeah, throw it up and you throw money at them. And then they throw- They get those t-shirt cannons? But yeah. <laughs> but look, it looked yeah, good. Because that end uh, sequence was insane. Yeah. I've just written. I've just written down here. The prop merch stand is hilarious. It's like they're. It's like they're brawling in the crowd of WWE. Just bring it on PS2. This was a uh, video we, game match. You're right. So so Owen, I don't know if, if you've ever played uh, WWF. Just bring it on PS2. So Ooh. the um the the crowd is literally like cardboard cutouts. Yes. And if you brawl into the crowd, it literally like sort of pushes the crowd around. <laughs> the, the parts of the sea of the wooden, the 2D people. That's so, so good. It was very much like watching that. But but yeah, the, you're right though. Oh, like the, the, um, the ending is hilarious and notable because Nobs kind of overshoots the table uh, just when he bit. jumps off the top. <laughs> he goes for a balcony dive. And come on, no one ever thought Brian Nobs would be a, you know, New Jack style balcony diver, but he absolutely, <laughs> I can't believe he missed the table because it was right in front of him and it made it even funnier. So now I'm just seeing a Brian Hobbs. This is like part of like the gangsters. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just New Jack, Mustafa, and just yeah. Brian Nobbs. Yeah. 
Yeah, him coming out with natural with natural ball killers, <laughs> natural just, ball killers just playing in the background. Yeah, <laughs> try to try to interject the word nasty where the, where the bits where Dre and Ice Cube aren't Whoa. talking. <laughs> Nasties with attitude, NWA. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bigelow then suplexes Nobs through the table to win the match. Uh, yeah, like you sort of said, Simon, it's a it's a guilty pleasure. Come on, it was a fun, silly brawl. I actually like this more than its equivalent on Backlash of Hardcore Holly and Al Snow. There's something, I don't know, more earnest about these crappy WCW hardcore matches. I don't know, they feel more organic. And I will say, the announcers were having so much fun in this match. Bobby (laughs) and Tony love just not caring during these hardcore matches. Yeah, yeah, which is very easy for them to do during 1999 WCW. <laughs> Next up, it is Rick Steiner versus Booker T. And did you find it interesting that there's a little bit of a tepid response to Booker T? Like, he's not the super-duper fan favorite that we're used to? Because in the build to this match, they kind of teased that him and Stevie Ray may be in cahoots. It ended up being foreshadowing for later or sort of like a red herring. I hated that because it ruined the match. And I thought Booker T, we've said so many times, he's one of the MVPs. He's one of the most consistent wrestlers of this show's history. This yep. was one of his worst matches, and it's not his fault. It's Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner as a singles brings nothing to the table. Did you did you find it odd that Rick Steiner decided this was the match that he was going to try and do, uh, try and become William Regal and do it, be all this technical wrestling stuff? Well, I mean, he can kind of do it. It's just not what you want from it's him. It's not and what you want like, from him, yeah. Scott and Booker can kind of do it. They'll do some some of their, you know, like little wrestling sequences. With Rick, I don't know. Looks kind of, bo- like for a guy who's, oh, wow, Rick Steiner's crazy and dog-faced gremlin. He's kind of boring as a singles, I thought, here. Yeah. Owen, oh, did you share the same apathy for this match that the crowd seemed to? Because even a spinner Rooney from Booker T just sort of made the crowd go, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I want to say I was demolishing some fish and chips while I was watching this. So I was preoccupied, <laughs> I think. Um, yes. This yes, match, yes, I was. <laughs> this match didn't fall into it. So we've managed the, the ultimate grading of uh, this is a horrible match in the history of us doing reliving the war is if I choose a match to unstack the dishwasher. I didn't choose this time okay. to unstack the dishwasher. So it wasn't that bad, yeah. but yeah, it was um, until, until Scott Steiner comes in and interferes. Um, it really is like a nothing match because Booker T is not being showcased at all. This is like a vehicle for Rick Steiner. It's really weird that for some reason this month, they were like, Hey, hot new single star Booker T let's use him to get over, you know, 10-year veteran at this point or whatever, probably longer Rick Steiner as a singles, who's had some fun matches as a face, but whatever they're doing here with this tweener into a heel turn, I don't know, it doesn't work. I will say one thing I did notice was Nick Patrick refereeing this match. The looks this guy had, my God, we need a Nick Patrick lookbook because here he has a (laughs) mustache and his hair tied up in a ponytail. Like Nick Patrick is the king. I felt like this felt like um, where like in like movies when like the the guy dumps his like really hot girlfriend, like he gets dumped by his really hot girlfriend, and then like he spirals 
So like Nick Patrick's been dumped by the NWO <laughs> and like he looked very slobbish. He kind of did. Honestly, <laughs> did. it took me a second. He's like, oh, baby, please take me back. Because he like his top buttons weren't done up on his ref shirt. He looked a bit chunkier as well. Yeah. Like it it was it was all it was very like sitcomish for our good friend Nick. He wasn't even wearing his Reebok pumps like he was in '97. No, nah, didn't. And a boy struggling. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure if this was in high definition, you could probably see the Krispy Kreme crumbs around <laughs> it. and the che- and the Cheeto dust Cheeto. on his fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, look, I, I did think like. Kudos to WCW. They picked some weird times to do like good storytelling because Scott Steiner interfering kind of without Rick Steiner knowing, a la Stevie Ray interfering without Booker knowing, is a nice little sort of uh, parallel, mm. which is then blown out the window later on. <laughs> in the... <laughs> It is. Like any any subtlety that they were going for is just like sledgehammered in your face yeah. towards the end of the pay-per-view. That's what I didn't like about the show. I will say, talk about subtle storytelling. As Scott Steiner ran out, coincidentally, it was just a matter of good timing, a sign happened to make uh, the hard cam that just said Roid Rage. Just <laughs> yeah. weird coincidence, but I thought that was great timing. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely stuff. But yeah, Rick Steiner wins with a Bulldog. He gets his first singles title. Yay! And um, we all move on to our next match, uh, which is a video package of Charles Robinson and Gorgeous George. And you want to talk about Brian Nobbs uh, saying nasty. How many times did little Nate say bimbo here? Oh my goodness me. <laughs> it's all about gorgeous George being a bimbo. Now gorgeous oh, George, stars. the, uh, the new valet of midlife macho man, which <laughs> is so crazy that she has a match before macho man does on his return. Yeah. Um, so Rick Steiner, oh, sorry about this. Uh, Rick Steiner then runs into Buff Bagwell in the backstage area. Again, it's another SmackDown season mode cutscene. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Like Rick is warning Buff to watch his back. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just wish, wish that it was like you know, they didn't have it. They just had a little, uh, little subtitle thing at the bottom with like Rick is warning, it, and then them just do, <laughs> doing this to each other. <laughs> yeah with the exaggerated hand and head movement. <laughs> um next up it is the charles robinson with rick flair and asia versus gorgeous george with macho man medusa and miss madness now just a quick little time out here because asia at this point in time didn't help that stigma that was going around high schools and primary schools that wcw just copies uh wwf because I don't know, about you, was that something that was happening around at your school too, Simon? Where everyone's like, "Oh, of course they have someone. They've got a ripoff of China, and guess what? She's called Asia." Yeah, but of course, that's what it is. The pettiness of these companies at the time is hilarious. We all know the Vincent Virgil, you know, and then eventually he becomes Shane. Yeah, it's and then, all so dumb. And creative control, uh, like Ron and Don Harris being renamed to be uh, Gerald and Patrick. Yeah, Gerald and Patrick. It's all so dumb. And yeah, <laughs> uh, Asia being bigger than China. Like, it's all so yeah. stupid. It, it is very stupid. But uh, like I said, midlife crisis, Macho Man will never not be awesome to me. But how good? Can we all put, just point out for a second and respect how good Charles Robinson's nature boy Ric Flair shtick is? 
It's fantastic. Oh, it's unreal. Oh, the tan, <laughs> the hair, the promo. He's kind of got the right vibe, the taunting. He does a great Ric Flair. Uh, what about Flair inviting Medusa and Miss Madness to ride Space Mountain after the show? This is his <laughs> attitude as WCW gets. It's also a surprising match in terms of like they actually do wrestling uh, wrestling moves and holes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, it it was better than Stevie Ray and Conan. Oh, hey! My- if, if Charles Robinson was going to have a match, he was going to get some working, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, they started with uh, you know wrist locks and hammer locks and a snapmare, and the crowd is going nuts every time Gorgeous George hits a move. They were Correct. onto something. She was. They probably thought they had their own Sable here or Sunny. Oh yeah, and I'd argue that they kind of did because she was probably one of the big. Because the Nitro Girls weren't really a thing now. They had a little bit of a hiatus. Mm. They came back in like two thousand because with a big fanfare too. I still remember on WCW.com. It's like the Nitro Girls are back. Um, but did you notice the line that Bobby the Brain Hayden said before the match, where it was just like that he'd be disqualified in the match because he'd be holding biting and uh, possibly both he said possibly both yeah <laughs> yeah again that's as far as they would push it man i wish jr and king were commentating you know this match oh but... yeah that would that would go absolutely mental but yeah charles robinson uh absolutely takes out miss madness on the outside in a spot that i was just like whoa, whoa. yeah that took me by surprise. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, because he just straight up walks up to her and just body slams her. There's no, oh no, he accidentally hit her. No, he just body slammed a woman. To be fair, <laughs> knowing what we know now and who Miss Madness, you know, would become, we know she can take it and we know she probably, you know, yeah, probably beat up and- Charles Robinson or have a really good match with him. Yeah, when Charles Robinson is one of the best workers on your on your card, where it includes Rick Steiner and Stevie Ray, these two huge like <laughs> veterans, it's it's a bit of a worry. But come on, this uh, match has better better workers than that match. You've got Medusa, Ric Flair on the outside, Miss Madness, yep. who is you know Molly Holly. You've got you got some talent, Randy Savage. Yeah, very much so. And not only that, I love that we t- like we just said we gave uh, Charles Robinson his flowers. For his Ric Flair. But even doing things like the flare flop and climbing to the top rope and getting thrown off. Chef's kiss. Mm. Simple as that. It was great. Yeah, he did, but he did the full sequence. He took the flip over one corner, ran to the other top rope just to get body slammed off. It was good. It was very fun. This was a dumb he, match, but it was fun. And he even had the saggy body like Flair too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there Did is you a see massive... the sign in the crowd that just said Macho Man is a pimp? Because he would <laughs> lean into that. Remember, he'd start dressing more like a pimp as this character would evolve too. I tell you yeah. what, though, that, that sparkly sequin shirt that March was wearing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, all I was thinking was just like, the man's like a disco ball. <laughs> see, I see. I know for a fact that this is like your favorite era of Macho. So, like, I'm 100%. looking for... I'm looking forward to us like looking through this because I know you're never going to say a bad word about it. Oh, the unfortunate thing about midlife crisis, Macho Man, is it it, it the star burnt out too bright because by about April 2000 he's done. Um, oh god. Um, so there is a huge pop when Gorgeous George uh, reverses the figure four, mm. a scoop slam on Charles Robinson, and a flying elbow for the win. It's no Kyrie saying flying elbow. It's it's not really a flying elbow. It's more off the second rope uh, the elbow. Second rope. <laughs> but but look, 
Macho Man is reinstated into WCW. Everyone went home happy. Like you said, Simon, it's a fun match and it ticked all the boxes. And at not one point, this is a match of the paper that I'd say, hey, you know, if you've got if you've got like 15 minutes to kill, watch the match. You'll be entertained. <laughs> yeah, look, the, the fact that on this show for me, the fun matches were, you know, a dumb hardcore match with Brian Nobbs and a match with a referee versus a woman who isn't a wrestler. Yeah, it tells you all you need to know. Yeah, pretty much. Um, next up, it is a uh, Buff Bagwell versus Scott Steiner recap package. Got to say, Buff Bagwell's Rick Steiner is pretty good. I mean, Scott Steiner. It's a pretty good impression. Yeah, it was good. I kind of, I'm glad we're into this era of Buff being, uh, you know, kind of now that he's got the character fully formed ever since turning heel a few years ago. Buff as a face, I will say he was one of the bright spots for me as a kid of WCW in this era. Everyone Huge. loved Buff. Yeah, if you didn't, there is some real revisionist history because he was over like Rover. Oh. He was probably one of the... He was like... So when... You know when everyone sort of shits on that WCW main event that was on Raw, where it's like, oh, Buff Bagwell and Booker T. Buff Buff Bagwell was WCW. Like, yeah. he was the big, one of the biggest names in WCW. So you could see why they put him in the main event. And there's a reason why they would have thought we're going with Booker and Buff as like these guys could be the future of, you know, our new WCW because yep. he was young here. He was only, how old? I'm just looking now. Jesus, here in Slamboree, he was 29. So everyone yep. looked at him as like, this is a guy who's going to be a big star in the future. So what? When he goes to WWE, what is he, 31 or something? Of course yep. they were going to go with him. He had the catchphrases. He had the look. He had everything. The but, music. Oh, he's one of those weird, like, that really is, uh, you know, what could have been. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, Buff Bagwell's theme is absolutely brilliant. There's something odd about seeing Scott Steiner come out to the Wolfpack theme. It doesn't it work just for me? Him. Yeah. yeah okay. It doesn't work, especially here when there's kind of... He never really felt like a member of the Wolfpack. He doesn't fit yeah. with them. He's too... Too much of a heel. He's kind of like Hulk Hogan. Doesn't feel right when he does the Wolfpack stuff either. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is insane heat on Scott Steiner, and he absolutely dominates Buff uh, with a beating. And there is a great bit of psychology because uh, Buff's neck, they're really sort of selling that, like, you know, it's damaged, it's all that. But uh, like you said, Simon, like Buff Bagwell was one of the biggest, brightest stars of WCW in 1999. And, oh, and what did you think of this one? Because, like, Buff, you, you know, this you're, you're seeing Buff in his prime. Like, this yeah. is this is peak Buff Bagwell, the most popular one that he... It's before it's before that stupidness with his mum and the on-a-pole match and <laughs> teaming up with Lex Luger for Totally Buff. This, if you're going to get a slice of, like, essential Buff Bagwell, this is it. No, I was very, oh yeah, I, as you said, I've never really seen much of his stuff prime and like, I was yeah pretty impressed. And like, I, I actually, I liked them putting the promo package in front of the match and the promos they picked were pretty good. Like when they were mocking each other, I really like quite liked and his work like as like parodying Scott Steiner was quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Yeah. I thought the match was, was, you know, it wasn't too bad. Like, you know, it's two big balls of muscle going at each other but oh yeah i quite liked it it wasn't yeah i don't have much to say about it because i was quite enjoying it 
It yeah, wasn't bad. Much. It was a bit short. I, I feel like surely yeah. this leads to a rematch because we get the Rick Steiner interference here uh, and we get us, I don't know, I guess the Steiners are reuniting here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Rick Steiner comes out, turns heel. He revives the ref and um, Scott puts Buff in the Steiner recliner and the Steiners are reunited, which I guess is a kind of big deal because um, Scott's been in the NWO for quite a while now and it would, and them splitting up was a very huge deal. So them coming back together uh, is equally as big a deal because it's been both... a year. Yeah. About that. Give or take. Doesn't seem long enough for a reunion, but again, everyone's breaking up and reunited here. So you know, WCW you know, is a weird spot. You know, actually, you you it might actually even be like I feel like maybe it's less than a year, but yeah. that that time frame seems a lot longer. Like when you think about how long The Rock was a champion in WWE, I in my mind and in my memories, it was so much longer than he actually mm. was. True, so I, I guess be- it's like DX. They break up at WrestleMania in uh, 99 and they're back together by like the Survivor Series of the same year. You know, you don't yeah. even, you don't realize they even broke up a lot of the time. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Steiners are reunited. Next up, we get a little promo video for Goldberg. Whoop de doo. Uh, and we're back at the announce table for a, another stop down as the guys preview Sting versus Goldberg. Mm. And we then we see a promo video for Nash versus DDP. And oh, it's then the it same Nash in. one. It's yeah. the one from before. They play it twice. Don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we go into a Flair video, and it's Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair. Should we quickly take a a, a pause to explain to Owen what, uh, the Ric Flair in the mental institution bit? You explain it. I saw this and it brought back memories of why I hated WCW at this time. <laughs> so Ric Flair has gone mad with power. He's been committed to a asylum. And you just saw like, and this wasn't just one sort like one episode of Nitro. There'd be vignettes of him like, you know, dancing in his robe, like uh, playing with other inmates. He even ran into Scott Hall for some reason. Yep, in, one of the in, only in the appearances of Scott Hall during this time when he was off. Yeah, uh, so that was just a little fun bit there. No explanation, then he just comes back, it's all good. Uh, Flair fires the referee at the start and then appoints Charles Robinson as referee in a really nice touch because, you know, he's the president of WCW, so, yep, that's all good. Flair's blatant cheating, though, is hilarious to me, and I love every single moment of it. It's just so good. Yeah, so it's Flair versus Piper for control of who gets to be the uh, president. Now, remember these guys wrestled last year and had an amazing match. It was way better than it should have been. This one isn't that good, but it's kind of entertaining. What did you think, Owen, of this one? Because I know you loved the other one too. I loved that match. Um, I actually, yeah, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was, I feel like it was very heavily reliant on the Gaga from Charles Robinson and and, yep. and Flair. Um, the crowd were definitely not into that kind of in, into it. I think they went a little bit over the top with it. Like mm. it had its place, of course, but I think there was a little bit too much at times. Um, I didn't mind the match though, but yeah, it was very much obviously it was this was to push that storyline forward because obviously the match earlier in the night too. I did like how this was a very self-contained show. 
Yeah. And there were like a lot of like a lot of stories related to what happened like half an hour ago. Hmm. I actually didn't quite mind that. Yeah, this was another one where, look, it, technically it's not the best match. It's not even their best match, but it's fun. So I think, you know, it, look, it's better than being boring because we've had so many boring WCW shows and matches. Yeah. They do all the stuff with Arn Anderson cheating, Charles Robinson's cheating, Asia, Asia. <laughs> Rick Flair gets mooned, Rick Flair does the flare flop, Rick Flair does low blows. He kind of get the... Roddy Piper does, you know, his dumb boxing and eye pokes. They do all of their stuff, and the crowd is into it at least. Yeah, Piper takes Arn out, Asia out, and Little Nature out before he then gets knocked out by Flair for the one, two, three. Then a very what looks to be malnourished and stressed <laughs> Eric Bischoff comes out. He looks awful, don't you think? This is Eric Bischoff's worst look. He looks better years later in the WWE. I don't know what was yeah. going on here. Yeah. He looks like he's just come back from 18 holes of golf. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the the old gray hair. It's not dyed. It's kind of like, you know, poofed out and he's just got a polo on. Not yeah. not the coolest Eric Bischoff look. No. No. He, so he comes out. He then declares that Rowdy Roddy Piper is the winner. And then he fires Ric Flair. Overturns the decision. Which because... makes you think if Bischoff could do this, why did the match ever happen? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's so, it's, it's very and silly. Wait, but wait, I... if, if Flair and Piper were fighting for who's the president, what the hell is Eric Bischoff? Yeah. Yeah. Was he not? And the, also, was and he also, not fighting let's... for presidency a few years ago? And also, there is no formal uncoupling of him in the NWO yet. Oh, okay. Isn't there? No. Because it's weird seeing Bischoff and Piper hug. After the yeah. huge feud with Piper and Hogan is weird. Because remember, like the NWO is still a thing, but it kind of peters off towards yeah. 1999. And then you sort of, it, it's just sort of like is there in the background, like an old pair of shoes. Mm. Like, like it's still, it, there's no formal conclusion until it's rebooted as NWO Silver in uh, late 99. So that's something to look forward to. But yeah, so it's it's very, very confusing there. But uh, next up, it's a video of Goldberg versus Sting. And then we get to the match. It's a weird one because is it just me or is Sting's white boots incredibly distracting in this match? What oh were God. they? Were they boots or like coverings for him? They were covers. So weird. But see, the thing is, I think this was like prime look Sting. Like, his bob's grown out. His hair's a bit longer. He was more jacked. He was definitely more tan. Mm. Yeah, very much the, so. The rope necklace still pops me more than anything. Yeah. yeah like he's just gone to Coachella. <laughs> yeah, Sting got, Sting's, got, Sting's gone to Bali and come back with some bintang singlets. <laughs> yeah. I love um, Sting. To me, this is my favorite Sting, where he tones yeah. down the spookiness. And, you know, he sort of balances the, the scale of surface sting and spooky sting he kind of meets them halfway the the last thing he has still left over though is the music he drops yeah. it soon though and gets seek and destroy and then we get my favorite version of sting where he looks cool but he acts like surface sting yeah like what he yeah. does now with aw yeah it's pretty much yeah. this is really it, and it's crazy to think that's the version of sting who's lasted the longest yeah you know what I'm not looking forward to as we approach that version of Sting? Um, Larry Zabisco always yelling brothers in paint when he teams up with uh, Vampiro. Wait, are you telling oh. me Zabisco returns to commentary? 
Oh, no, no, because on Nitro, like on that WCW, on Channel 9's version of Nitro, it's Larry Zabisco and Scott Hudson doing the commentary. Oh, God, that's awful. So, oh, but uh, for those playing at home, uh, you can check on my Vimeo account for a full episode of WCW International Nitro, uh, Nitro Wrestling. But up uh, next up, um, going through going through this match, both men pretty much go through their greatest hits, wouldn't you say? Like, it's just like a best-off compilation of Sting. Yeah. Not that Sting. Uh, a best-off Sting for wrestlers' <laughs> work uh, versus Goldberg. Uh, a pretty creative kind of um, like Goldberg's almost immortal now, don't you? As a, as in as in sorry, like not immortal. He's a mortal now. Mm. Yeah, and you can sort of get more hits in on him. I thought this match kind of fit the formula of what we would see from Goldberg in the later years in the WWE, and even yeah. some Brock Lesnar matches. It just gets into finishes right away and Sting. And Goldberg are just going, you know, big move, big move. It's pretty fun. It's entertaining. It's less than 10 minutes. Yep. The only sort of, there's a fumble at the start. The first move they go for, they botch. But they recover quick. And it's just big moves. Crowd's going nuts. The spear here is kind of an underrated one. Sting goes for the Stinger Splash. And oh, yes. absolutely just gets ruined midair. And I was starting to get get really into it. And then... I hate to say it because we love him, but man, WCW Bret Hart just ruins this. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so, so WCW Bret comes out. I love how we always refer to this version of Bret Hart as WCW Bret. It's not Brett. the same guy. It's not. To me, this <laughs> is a different person. Yeah. Feels like it's a different blood, a different gene pool as well. <laughs> yeah. So WCW Bret comes out with a very stiff chair shot oh. of Goldberg's head. You know what? You see that chair shot, and I don't want to say that Brett had it coming. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Damn, I thought that too. He absolutely wrecked Goldberg with that chair shot. Like, you could see Goldberg's head just go audibly <laughs> yeah. down. So you can kind of see where Goldberg's like, all right, just you, just you wait. One of these a bit of receipt coming. A bit of receipt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're throwing live rounds, so I'll tell you what. I've already pulled the pin in my grenade, brother. <laughs> Um, then the Steiners come out to attack both Sting and Goldberg after the match is thrown out, and it basically protects uh, everyone there. So, oh, so like what are said, we doing with the Steiners here? What I don't remember this main event Steiner Brothers run. Oh, dude, could you, this nothing comes of it because then they sort of <laughs> like because later then um it's Sid Vicious Rick Flair not Rick Flair sorry uh, later on it's Sid Vicious Rick Steiner and Kevin Nash. Oh God. Like there is just like yeah, so there's a lot of trust me on there, there's a lot of setups that just don't pay off. By the next pay per view, we're gonna have a brand new like little triumvirate. It's just very very strange. But uh, finally, we get to the main event, and there's a video package for the WCW title match, and then a hell of a lot of stalling uh, as Michael Buffer is back for uh, another round of MCing. It's a very subdued Michael Buffer. Did you find that or? Is it just me that I got the impression that he's very keen to get the hell out of there? Because his word count is very, very... Uh, the word economy is a lot better this time around. Well, I thought that was because this was the first main event in a long time, or I couldn't even think of one. Um, it doesn't have Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ric Flair, or Roddy Piper. And yeah. I think Buffer doesn't give it as much when those guys aren't in it. He doesn't yeah. know who Goldberg or, you know, he doesn't know DDP and Kevin Nasher. He's the master of the diamond. 
device. <laughs> yeah, that's all he knows. <laughs> He's still getting his six figures per match. You don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he does at least run through the accolades of Kevin Nash. Um, but yeah, it's... DD, I, I just written down here, DDP's intro by Michael Buffer seems a bit more wishy-washy. <laughs> he didn't know what to what to really say. Yeah, it's just kind of like he's the people's champion, and he is wearing a title. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, talking about wishy washy, Kevin Nash turned heel in January by reforming the NWO and doing the finger poke of Doom, blah blah blah. It's yep. May, and Kevin Nash is now a face again. Yep. DDP who had the great story of finally becoming world champion, blah, blah, blah. Now DDP's a heel? What is going on? This show, the, some of the booking decisions for all these turns, just insane. Yeah, it's... it's it's uh, Insane is a polite way of putting it. Uh, let's put it that way. But um, DDP is also doing his absolute best to make Kevin Nash look good. Like, he's bumping like he's Dolph Ziggler. Oh, look, I won't take anything away from the match. I actually thought as a main event style, you know, 90s kind of main event match, I thought this was good. I thought they had pretty good chemistry. Both guys were, you know, they're friends and they were each putting in effort to make each other look good. The only thing I didn't like, we've seen so many low blows on this show that by the time they do one here, the crowd doesn't react and Nash can barely sell it. Like he just gets back up. Like they've devalued getting the low kicked blow. in the nuts. Yeah. You know? uh, I've written down here too, um, this is classic Nash. Like this is the the sort of Kevin Nash gimmick that I remember like as a kid. Like he's he's got the the, the blonde hair. He's got the, the moves like the snake eyes, the framing up in the corner, all that sort of stuff. This is the peak Kevin Nash from my youth. Oh yeah, this is the biggest, sexiest Kevin Nash. Like this is peak... <laughs> Big sexy. What I love too, there was did you notice the um the spot where DDP hit Kevin Nash with the microphone and it yeah. even did the arena sound effect like yeah, attitude the... on the PlayStation? <laughs> Somehow yeah. Nick Patrick didn't hear that giant sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, did you find it weird too that that bit where the spot where DDP tries to pin Nash on the outside? Yeah, he hits like a diamond cutter and stuff, and then yeah, I don't know. Did he think it was false count anywhere? It was weird. It wasn't a bad match. It gets weird at the end, though, like most of these other big matches on this show. Yeah. Uh, so DDP works on the knees of Kevin Nash, trying to tell the story, you know, bringing the big man down. Nash then has a comeback, does a, stri- uh, does a snake eyes on the exposed turnbuckle, which DDP uh, exposed early in the match. Uh, a jackknife, and then Randy Savage is in to help DDP win the match. And it is a DQ. But Eric Bischoff, the questionable authority figure, is back out again and restarts the match. He actually continues it uh, more correctly. DDP tries a sleeper on Kevin Nash, which is an odd time to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just too big for for DDP. DDP then takes himself out with uh, with the chair shot, you know, where it bounces off the rope. Another yep. low blow by Nash on DDP. A big boot. Uh, he drops the straps. Jackknife, pin, and we have a new champion. Mm. So Randy Savage, who since his return has been pretty much a face, is now a heel. Yep. So just so we're clear of all the turns on this show, 
<laughs> Rick Steiner turned. Uh, Randy Savage turned. Bischoff turns. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like Turn city. <laughs> it's it's um and yeah and then the and then not only that but the pay per view then ends abruptly. Oh, they had thirty seconds to go with Kevin Nash celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you didn't play the promo twice, you could have uh you could have uh snuck that one in. But yeah, look, uh that that basically sums up Slamboree nineteen ninety nine. It's not a bad pay per view. It's not a good one. It's just a pay per view. That was my last note. It was not the worst show. And I don't know. I guess it wasn't. If we go on MVPs, who who do we even say is the MVP in this match? Uh, not match, in this pay-per-view. You might have to go a little nature. Eh? <laughs> little nature. <laughs> but wrestling a match and refereeing a match and doing all of the dumb gimmick spots you could think of. I, I honestly think you've hit the nail on the head there on. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. think of anyone else that is deserving of this aside from Little Nate. But uh, nailed yeah. the character, nailed his job in the show, looked great, did everything right. Least yeah. valuable player, Rick Steiner, for ruining this show. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of stuff. Well, there was, <sighs> apart from their individual matches, there was two or three more Steiner spottings at the show. Backstage segments, two matches, a run in together. Like, all right, we don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're done. We've been now. Steinerized. Leave us alone. Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah. Uh, part of me is kind of curious to see uh, what happens on Nitro the following night, but then I know mm-hmm. nothing of any reason. Like, it's almost like everything in WCW is self contained within its own universe. Yep. It's very strange. But yeah, look, that wraps up uh, Slamboree 1999. Next up, it is a WWF paper that Simon and myself will be covering. No Mercy UK is what we will be covering. And just putting it out there as well, we're not going to be doing the Over the Edge 1999 pay-per-view. Uh, tragically, of course, this is the month where Owen Hart passes at uh, Over the Edge 1999. It would happen just a couple of weeks later on. So, uh, for obvious reasons, we won't be covering that uh, pay for you, but we will give you No Mercy UK, which is coming up next. But uh, that wraps up another edition of Reliving the War. Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on board again. I can't even think of the WCW pay for you that's coming up after this. We have Great American Bash. Oh, what's the main event on that one? I would not have a clue anymore. Yeah. Uh, Nash versus Savage. For the title? Yes. <laughs> oh, and hang the on. Jersey think... Triad versus Benoit and Satin. Oh, that could be good. Which members, DDP and... It says all three of them. Oh, okay. I, uh, I, think, I think I remember what this pay-per-view is because I think this is the debut of Master P and the No Limits. Oh, here we go. The wheels <laughs> have truly fallen off. Now we're getting into real WCW. Oh, this will be a bit of fun. But yes, join us next time for another edition of Free Living the War. You can check out the back catalogue at greywolfentertainment.net. Follow Grey Wolf ENT on the socials and we'll catch you next time for Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.